High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Happy Halloween, slumbers, and welcome, all you true crime experts, fans of horror series, old and new, and of course, a special shout out to my space babies out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where we and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. While you're there, leave us a positive review, or perhaps a five-star rating. And of course, you could always listen to back-cataloged episodes of High School Slumber Party, all 250-plus of them, at the archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great pop culture podcasts, including Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast. A anonymous listener poll recently, I heard this through the grapevine, so don't quote me on this, I won't give you any more details, but an anonymous user poll recently said that I was the greatest guest in Too Fast, Too Forever history. I don't believe it. They've had so many great guests, and I don't like to rest on my laurels. Who knows if they'll even invite me back, right? I think my Patreon subscription is delinquent because my credit card uh, got stolen. My identity was briefly stolen. Okay, I'm not going to go that far. But (laughs) someone had a charge in my credit card, so I had to get a new card, and I haven't updated my Patreon. And I don't know if I will because... I don't know if I'm welcome back there. Okay, I know I'm welcome back there. I know I'm going to be back there. It's a fun show. I was just humble bragging about how the fans love me there. (laughs) Oh, man, I know, Joey, if you're listening, you're probably hating me right now. (laughs) Point is, guys, check out Too Fast, Too Forever on the Cage Club Podcast Network. I have recently guest starred, but honestly, listen to the episodes without me. You hear enough of me. Whatever. (laughs) But of course, the other show I wanted to mention is The Monsters That Made Us, the show of our guest today, Mike Manzi. Yes, Mike Manzi returns. He's finally detoxed all the Corey Feldman and Corey Haim out of his system. That's not a diss to them. We just covered a lot of Corey movies. And he's back, ready to talk with us. And he's talking today. Our film, and that was your homework, Slumber Party Massacre. And not just any Slumber Party Massacre, not the Slumber Party Massacre, the most recent Slumber Party Massacre that premiered on Sci-Fi. It's not a Sci-Fi movie, but it did premiere there 
widely. I think it was at Fantastic Fest. Well, we'll get into it. I hope you watched it. It was a treat. You're going to love this episode. Happy Halloween, everyone. Another spooky movie for you. I'm happy to have Mike Manzi back. But I did want to mention, check out his show, The Monsters That Made Us. It is making waves in Hollywood, if you will. Variety. You know that old Hollywood rag? Actually, actually mentioned them as like one of the top Halloween or horror podcasts to listen to. Super cool. So happy for Mike Manzi and his co-host Dan Cologne, who have also been on High School Slumber Party. I don't know if the both of them have been together. I think so. Yeah, they definitely have. But separately and recently, Dan Cologne was on High School Slumber Party earlier in the month. Mike Manzi now. So I have the stars of that critically acclaimed, the wildly successful monsters that made us. So check that out as well. Foodie Films, still on hiatus, but another great show on the Cage Club Podcast Network. So many great shows. But don't sleep on OG Cage Club, the Nicolas Cage podcast that started the network itself. Joey Lewandowski and Mike Manzi host that one. Mike will plug that at the end of this episode. So definitely check that out. And hey, while you're there, check out High School Slumber Party. It's a pretty dope show. That's what I've heard. Last week, we had Shawnee Mead. We talked another horror film that I loved. I don't know. Maybe they finally converted me. But it's The Blob that we discussed. And I know you did your homework. And I know, I know you listened to the episode because it's awesome. And I appreciate that. You know what else I appreciate? Class participation. It's a huge part of your grade. Keep commenting. Keep liking things. Please email me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. I will respond. Comment on things. I will like it at the very least. I may comment back. But you know what? If I like it and don't comment back, that's not an insult. That just means, you know what? I agree with everything you're saying. I have nothing more to add to the conversation. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, that is where we are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I never know when that bell is coming in, but it doesn't change the lesson. It's your senior year, ladies, gentlemen, or wherever you want to be. Please remember, the bell does not dismiss you. I dismiss you. But it is getting right around about that time. So shall we do it? I think we shall. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother to up Ryan's. Because we're about to get our Halloween party on. I know in years past I've done more stylized Halloween episodes, spookier things, but I don't know. I feel like you're too old for that now. I feel like you're seniors. Who knows what will happen next year? Will you graduate this year? What college will you go to? Will you be left back with me? Who knows? Ooh, that's scary. There's nothing more scary than the uncertain future. We all live every single day. Here's Nina's It Kills Me from the Slumber Party Massacre soundtrack. Class dismissed.
Mike Manzi, it's been too long. I gave you many, 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 many months off, and yet you're still the most guested person <laughs> on High School Slumber Party history. So welcome back to the show. It's been a long time. Even though we've talked on your show, mm-hmm. welcome back to High School Slumber Party. Thank you always. It's funny, I was just guesting on John Brooks's show, and apparently I'm the most guested show over there as well. Like, I don't know how Ooh. that happened either. Um, it's only like four times, but he doesn't have very many reoccurring guests, but very good show good host but thank you for having me back uh it's great to be here and it's not so much that you know you gave me like the time off i needed time to recover from (laughs) i'm looking forward to the rest of it don't get me wrong but there is sort of like i had to get in the back the tank and kind of recuperate for a while but I'm back, space baby. <laughs> 2022, we'll have another Corey lap. We are doing something familiar today. But before we get into yeah. that, Mike, do you remember how to introduce yourself on High School Slumber Party? I sure do, because it's become super depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, a trigger. Um, it's a trigger for you. <laughs> Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 1997, folks. Go Maroons. Go Maroons, 90s kid, we love it. You mentioned the Corey thing, and the, the only thing I'll say about the Corey thing here is that uh, our good friend, friend of the program and guest, uh, Ryan Stick of the Ryan Stick Show, recently on his show had Deborah Voorhees, and Deborah Voorhees is best known for her role as Tina, last name is unrelated, but Tina in the Friday the 13th, The New Beginning. She actually has a new movie coming out as a director called 13 Fanboy. And oh, okay. I heard of that. It's a slasher film, apparently, about uh, someone who's trying to kill actors from the Friday the 13th series. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a cool idea, but I mention it because Corey Feldman is in her movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get out of town. That's... <laughs> That's awesome. So I need to ask Ryan. I'm like, hey, could you ask Deborah to get Corey Feldman on High School Slumber Party? But I guarantee mm. he's going to listen to our Corey lap and maybe, I don't know, maybe we say a lot of good things about him too, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. I feel we are positive, right? Like we didn't do that with the intention of like to make fun of them. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's no malice at all. It's all from a place of love and stuff. So like that would be... That would be a life goal to talk to Corey Feldman, even just online, you know. Who knows? Maybe we'll start a new podcast called The Crime Bandits. <laughs> that would be very, very cool. We'll have to steal it from this movie, the title, but, you know. <laughs> Though I'm not a true crime person. Are you a true crime podcast person, Mike? I, I'm actually not a true crime guy either. No, I like my monsters to be like creatures and stuff you know (laughs) the human monster is too much for me sometimes but well you're one half of the monsters that made us host now the wildly successful monsters that made us (sighs) thank you that makes sense Uh, and again thank you for coming on for slumber party massacre not the slumber party massacre slumber party massacre no the here crazy man this was a big surprise right like big surprise that not only that this movie was getting made uh, but I think by the time I had heard about it, it was made, like, completed. And, uh, like, it was shown at, like, Comic-Con or something or places over the summer and, and the fall. And lo and behold, was on TV last week. Like, crazy turnaround speed with this one. So, wild ride. 
For sure. This is now called the Massacre franchise. I saw it referred to that as... <laughs> no, it should be like the Driller Killer series. <laughs> well, the problem is they're including like the other ones like Sorority House Massacre and Cheerleader oh. Massacre, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen either. Are those involved? They're connected? I think they're just loosely, you know, because uh, there's a bunch of Sorority House Massacres. There's a bunch of cheerleader massacres i just think again they're just corman stuff you know yeah yeah but regardless like the slumber party massacre series it was one of the more enjoyable uh, horror series that i've ever seen to be honest with you you introduced all the films to me we covered the slumber party massacre and slumber party massacre 2 here on high school slumber party and we did slumber party massacre 3 on your podcast by the way, side note, like, if there was ever, like, a DVD release of High School Slumber Party, which I know doesn't make sense, there'd be some Third Times of Charm episodes included in that, right? Like, extra Oh, stuff. cool. Like, when they put the omnibus together for certain comic runs, and it's like, well, Spider-Man had an adventure with Daredevil for three issues. Exactly. So we got we to grab those issues and put them in this. <laughs> Prom Night 3, Slumber Party Massacre 3, for sure. Even though they were on your show, I consider them spiritual High School Slumber Party episodes as well because of the continuation. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Prom Night series. Like, I feel for some reason this and that are connected in my mind, I think, Mm -hmm. because we did them together so close together and on each other's show with all the crossover stuff and everything. And like at times I kind of couldn't tell them apart. But (laughs) then I remind and then I remembered that Prom Night was way more supernatural with like, you know, Hello, Mary Lou and all the demon prom and all that kind of shit. Uh, but love both the like love both these series like still endeared. Uh, like I've been watching the Slumber Party Massacre movies over the month and stuff. So a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you're totally right. This was a pleasant surprise. You sent me the link. I'm like, oh, my God, we have to do this. And I, I was so excited to do it. Despite us being a little disappointed about the prom night remake if you oh, will yeah. or reboot <laughs> yeah idris elba's prom night <laughs> yes <laughs> i love that part <laughs> i trusted 2021 more than i trusted 2009 if that makes sense you know what i mean so i was actually excited yeah. to watch this one now you're right it debuted at fantastic fest over the summer i think it's shout factory who's the real producer but sci-fi cut a deal with them to debut it there what version of the film did you watch mike Okay, so I watched the version that must have aired on Sci-Fi because I watched it on demand off of my cable box. And while there didn't seem to be any edits to the gore and stuff, they pixelated some guy's butt, you know? Like, <laughs> there was no male rear nudity or anything like that. So I don't know if they if they cut out any of the girl nudity too or whatever, but, like, that was the only edit that I could clearly notice. Um, and it had, like, two or three commercial breaks so i guess all in all this movie was like 80 minutes or so but that's how i watched it wasn't long but did other commercial breaks i watched it the same way mike but in my research today i found out that after it debuted it debuted on on demand as well so oh no we should have watched that we should have yeah apparently but i mean i like watching the sci-fi version because i think most people did what we did because it is the free version right now let's be honest but uh if you want to rent it you can and apparently that's the i don't want to say unedited but less edited version of yeah the film. Be- because like there didn't really seem to be much to cut out in the in general like even the gore and stuff like it's still if they cut it down it's still a lot it still went really far because you could just get away with that shit like they say the f word on sci-fi channel so they didn't edit any of the cursing or any of that shit you know so it's very nominal it's usually nudity 
these days when it comes to censorship on basic cable kind of stuff like that. So, but I am curious, do you know what is extra in the on-demand version in the video of the, uh, the one you have to buy or rent? So the movie's too new. It was like last Friday or the Friday before that it debuted. So there's yeah. not October 16th. So there's not a list somewhere. Usually someone makes a list of like the differences. I haven't seen a list anywhere. I'm going to try to watch the new one. And Okay. What about run times? Can you compare run times or anything Ooh, like that? Well, we could just look that up. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Slumber Party Massacre. Hour 16 minutes. What was it on a... It's the same length. Okay, it's so same. it's like an hour and twenty with with the with the credits, I think, or whatever. So it's probably just nudity. You're right. It's probably just nudity. yeah. I I guarantee it's just that shot because other because otherwise they would have just cut that shot and not pixelated it. You understand? Like, why pixelate something if you could just not show it? It just didn't make any sense. So it just seems to me like, oh, we only have this one thing to do. I don't know. You know, <laughs> it just didn't feel heavily edited to me. On YouTube, it says an hour twenty-six to the for rent it. Oh, okay. That, that's well, like a couple. That's a couple minutes longer. Well, we'll have to sort of revisit it between episodes and compare notes when I come back <laughs> for Corey's or sometime sooner. <laughs> I guess that's the best we can do. Until then, we'll just have to go with what we got. Oh yeah, I'm totally fine with doing the sci-fi version because I think that's again the one that most people are gonna see now. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, like I didn't feel like that was an issue like i didn't you know what i'm saying like to me i didn't you know it was rough enough so mike the only time that i think we could have gotten something possibly cut out besides the nudity thing was one of the commercial breaks was just like a fade to black and then we opened at a different scene you know what i mean i wouldn't be surprised Mm. if they like finished a kill off or something you know yeah I hear you. We'll see. We'll see. I think if you're familiar with the Slumber Party Massacre series, you're gonna point at the screen. You know, there's that like meme meme of Leo, like pointing at the screen. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> I I did that a couple times, and that's just because I've watched the other movies. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. There's nice callouts and and Easter eggs and stuff in this. <laughs> Um, so every week I read back of DVD, back of VHS. Today I'm just going to read from what my uh, TV description of the sci-fi movie is. It's short, so let's do it. A slumber party turns into a bloodbath as a psychotic serial killer wielding a power drill disrupts the fun. Short and sweet, but we know that this series uh, has a lot of tradition, at least for us, right? Wait, that was it? That was it, yeah. Well, t- <laughs> TV ones aren't as big, you know. I know, but I expected more than, like, a sentence. <laughs> like, once, you know, it'd at least be like, you know, Jenny and her friends are going <laughs> to the cabin or whatever, and, like, little do they know, the driller killer a decade earlier, et cetera, et cetera. But... <laughs> so let's recap, like, in one sentence, what each of the original films were about. Now, and to be clear... Okay. This- this isn't a direct sequel or anything like that. It's more of a reboot sequel, which is which is interesting. But uh, okay, the Slumber Party Massacre, the original. Yeah. That one. What was that? Eighty two or something like that. Let me see. That was the legit like sleepover party. You know where it was like that's the plot. Yes. There's a sleepover party. Some guys find out and try and sneak in, and then. The killer actually starts stalking them, sort of death-proof style, right? Like early in the movie, like this, the killer's watching the girls go to school and go home and everything, and he waits until dark, and then he springs and tries to murder them. 
Uh, but then the girl that's not invited to the party at the end comes over and kills him in the pool or something, best I can remember. Yeah, and that's the driller killer. Like, that's the yeah. firmly the driller killer one. It's the most, like, grounded in traditional horror. Slumber Party Massacre 2, I just remember that one as, like, the guitar one, right? Like, that's the one with the <laughs> the drill for that guy is connected to a wacky guitar What's the deal with that one, right? Like, it's like a greaser gets reincarnated, essentially. Wasn't that, like, one of the girls, the survivor, or, like, the neighbor, like, one of the girls who survived the first film is, like, possessed with by yes. a driller killer or something? And I believe this one originally... Yes, now I remember it completely. And then he, like, comes to life for real or something. He's, like, manifested and starts chasing him with the drill guitar if i'm not mistaken i think this similarly to prom night to hello mary lou was like uh not supposed to be a slumber party massacre movie and then okay or something along those lines but that doesn't seem realistic right because why would he have a drill on his guitar no plus plus like all of them have been written and directed by teams of women oh yeah i definitely want to get into that yeah so they all have that same sort of thematic connective tissue also about you know all of the sort of neurosis and everything that goes along with like final girl and female horror victim and, and trying to like play or reverse like those kinds of tropes or build and kind of like make them, I don't know, better in a way, I guess. I don't know. But, but yeah, I think they're all sort of dealing with those things. And then three, all I remember is volleyball. Volleyball, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Beach party for like a hour. And then they all like go get drunk at someone's house. And then another killer shows up to murder everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's that. But you're right, Mike. This series, for me, was groundbreaking in a sense that all of them are written and directed by women, including today's. So a lot of the reboots of series will be directed by women, and that's great. This one just continues a long tradition of that. And today's Slumber Party Massacre is directed by a Canadian Danishka Esterhazy. All right. I wasn't really familiar with her work. Maybe some uh, horror people would be more. She's famous for a film called Blackfield. Have you heard of that one? No. Yeah, and another one called Level Sixteen. I don't know. I think you, I think that you got to really be into horror to like. Not that they're bad movies, but like, you know, they, they seems like deep cut horror. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I mean, it, look, she made a Lorena Bobbitt movie. She can't be all that bad, right? Like, <laughs> got to see that. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's a lifetime film, I think, but like, never, nevertheless, Joe Ooh. Two. Joe yeah, we two. got we got to talk to Joe Two about that. The Joe that. Two signal just went off. <laughs> yeah, what's that one called? I'm just looking on IMDb. It says I was Lorena Bobbitt. She directed I was Lorena Bobbitt. I mean, that's what she is apparently known for on her IMDb. I'm clicking on it now, and it says directed by yeah Danishka Estrahazi. Oh, it's not in her Wikipedia. That's interesting. Oh. That's a big Lifetime film. That was a huge Lifetime film. Yeah, well, that was a big social moment where everything pivoted in reality, you know? Like, she chopped off her husband's dick and threw it out the fucking window. And <laughs> like, John Wayne Bobbitt to go find it, get it sewn back on and everything. Like, every woman's, like, dream, right? She, like, That's... lived out everyone's fantasy right <laughs> well yeah like revenge fantasy revenge no. fantasy like that's what they were saying right like don't put her away she's a hero <laughs> i gotta see that movie mike there are two stories around that time that like 
are pre-social media that mm-hmm, like would have mm-hmm. definitely blown. And the, and yet, oh, I'm sorry, you, dude, I can't even let you finish talking. You know which one I'm gonna say? Amy Fisher, baby. Amy <laughs> the Fisher. Long Island Lolita. Joey Buttafuoco. Yeah. Yeah, Joey. <laughs> Joey. Mary Joe. Joey Bo. Jojo. <laughs> I think there was even a celebrity boxing match once of Joey Botafuco versus John Wayne Bobbitt, and it made so much sense to me. Oh my god, that's am- <laughs> that's amazing! Just don't hit him below the belt. I know well, that well, like Danny Bonaducci used to do a lot of uh, celebrity boxing. I'm sure he fought uh, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, because she directed uh, that film. Like, how did we get to John Wayne Bobbitt? <laughs> oh man. So again, this premiered at Fantastic Fest, like I said. There are so many callbacks in here, and I definitely want to get to them. But the other question I was going to ask you quickly, like, are you familiar with these sci-fi films? Not sci-fi films in general, but films on the sci-fi network here in the United States. Have you seen any others? Well, yeah, like, kind of all of them, like, in a roundabout way, right? Like, I just leave Sci-Fi Channel on a lot during the day, and, like, you know, when I'm just, like, sort of vegging out at night, if, like, Sharktopus is on, like, I love Sharktopus, uh, like, movies like Sharknado, other non-shark title films, too, they do, they do a lot of shark movies over there, but, you know, they're, they're not necessarily known for, like, high budget, or anything like that, but it usually doesn't matter, that's, that's not the point of them, they're just, like, supposed to be a lot of, sort of, fun like, that's just, like, the bottom line with them. But, like, I got to tell you, man, you know, just to show my hand, this is one of the better produced made for sci I would say made for sci-fi, but they're just the distributors. But, like, they've been getting a lot better lately in the sort of quality that they've been acquiring. Like, the Chucky series, I don't know if that's on sci-fi, but that's good. They have, like, a... Oh, they have a new Day of the Dead series that is, like, really well produced. Wow. It, yeah, it's it's really cool show. I was still pretty impressed. Like, yeah, they're not necessarily known for high caliber or great quality or anything necessarily, but like, I tend to really enjoy them. Well, Mike, I'm glad you said it because I brought that up for that reason. I'm not a big sci-fi channel guy. I know, again, they had Sharknado and things like that, but that stuff didn't really interest me. And it was always so tongue in cheek that I, I don't know. I wasn't always like in the mood for it. I was almost tempted to watch one years ago because it starred Debbie Gibson and Tiffany together in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they each starred in their own movie, and then they crossed over like the sci-fi cinematic universe uh, at a time. Oh, okay. Because uh, this one was called Mega Python vs. Gatoroid. Yeah, like, so one was in Mega Python, one was in Gatoroid, and oh. then they did the, the versus thing, and they, <laughs> they met up and stuff in it. You know, it was terrific. You also mentioned like how tongue in cheek these things were. And like, I feel like they've been trying to get away from that a lot recently. And even over the last few years, they've released like a new Children's of the Corn movie. A new Leprechaun movie was released there. You know, like they're really trying to kind of polish their image a bit and get back in the game or try and get a leg up. And like, they're not too far I mean, Shudder is a terrific app. That's an amazing app. And, like, I could see sci-fi one day being, like, Shudder TV or something like that. I was really, really impressed with the quality here. I think the same kind of things are happening over on Lifetime, if you talk to Joe, too. And all these other channels, as Netflix and the streaming services up their in-house movie game, or even the game in terms of, like, going to uh, indie film festivals, buying the rights of things, you know what I mean? I think the terrestrial channels, if you will have also felt the 
I don't know if urge is the right word, but just like the pressure to step their game up. And if this is any indication here, look, is this the greatest movie in the world? Obviously not. But like I was impressed with the quality and the amount of fun I had watching this. And maybe it's because I saw the other movies in it or whatever. But I, I don't know. I expected like something like it's shitty of me, but I expected something that aired on sci-fi as a premiere to just be a crap fest. And I was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was super excited to hear this movie was made and I was less excited to hear where I was going to watch it, you know? And to be honest, the movie kind of, I feel like it, knows you kind of have those expectations coming in because like it totally tricked me like we'll get to it but like there's kind of a a twist or like a reveal at one point in this movie and I was like oh fuck me like you know they totally got me (laughs) and I and then from that point on I was like wow I really wasn't paying attention like I thought I was just sort of like watching but I wasn't absorbing and like from now on I really got to like watch this movie and listen to what's happening and everything and like it was a lot of fun after that oh i think we're gonna be talking about the same moment here but i'm with you i'm with you i'm like oh they cared a lot more than i thought they would (laughs) let's put it that way yeah like it's actual like quality all around like quality writing was not what i was expecting once we get into it i mean i was right out of the gate i had like a major sort of gripe (laughs) like had to get over that and then there was a whole sort of reason for that, you know, like you just generally don't get sort of smarts like that or like kind of consideration in these sort of lower budget, lower tier made for TV kind of movie, or at least premiering on cable movies. Absolutely, Mike. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, In regards to the cast, they were all unknowns to me. Hannah Gonera plays Dana, who's our lead here. That's a terrific name. Hannah Ganera. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> uh, Francis Shulto Douglas played Maeve. Alex McGregor played Brenny. Milo Rain played Alex. Rezzy Tiana Wessels played Ashley. And if you want me to be honest with you, I don't even really remember all the girls' names. So, you know, and I didn't know the actors, but I, I thought they all really did a good job. Um, Russ Thorne is back. Rob Van Vuren played the driller killer here. And I read a note, and I'm not sure it's true, I'd have to cross-check, but most, if not all, the characters are named after other characters in the Slumber Party Massacre series. So I thought that was pretty cool, if that indeed is the case. That's cool. I like that. When it came to the the cast and everything, I didn't recognize any of these uh, girls. I think they're all really strong, though. Like, at first... I was like, whoa, they're extremely young, right? But then I was like, that's the point. Like, I'm just super old now, you know? But yeah. I really appreciated that this cast was, from what I could tell, a cast of teenagers, you know? I was like, this is great. Like, I'm already sort of worried that this group of people are out on their own trying to do, like, a road trip. You know, they're all, they're all like, they're all pretty girls. And then there's the one that I recognize. Like, I thought it was Anna Kendricks or something, right? Like, it's like Anna Kendricks' little sister. It's oh, like the little the, sister, yeah. It's like the only distinguishable kind of one, really, in my, in my old man head, where I was like, <laughs> okay, Anna Kendricks, the younger sister, but she's not really playing her. <laughs> yeah, she does look like Anna Kendrick. That's a good call. <laughs> Later, we'll get... Uh, guys literally named Guy and Guy too. Yeah, yeah. So that that was when I first sort of started to like, not that I was cold on the movie, right? But again, I sort of like had my nose in the air for a few minutes. And then when we get introduced to the boys and 
two of them are literally guy and guy two. And something immediately that went through my head was they're not even named. The women in charge of this movie are treating them the way that men have treated female characters in horror movies for generations. And like, I love that. And I don't know if that's the, I think that's the the idea. I mean, they could theoretically, Guy is a name, so they could both be named Guy. But in my head, I was like, no, the joke is like, they're so insignificant. They don't even get names. It's just boy one and boy two or something. I think it works both ways, which is great, right? Yeah, I'm with you, though. I think the cast, I think they were awesome for like what this was and really got it. So we covered the Fear Street series over the summer, and a lot of people loved it. But Kate Hudson, or guest Kate Hudson, she was a fan of the books and really didn't like it that much because it didn't really pay homage to the books. I think you go two ways with a lot of these things, right? But yeah, yeah. again, I was just excited to give me the fan service. If it's a movie on sci-fi and it's in the Slumber Party universe, you don't need to reboot anything. Give me the fan service. And they gave us the fan service. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like alternate universe some of the party massacre in a way where it's like some things are the same some things are different like we have the same like driller killer and like the guitar is gonna show up and like someone's wearing a space baby shirt and all this thing but then there's all this sort of talk of like ritual and stuff like that and we're in a cabin in the woods and so my mind just starts racing to like oh they're not just kind of paying homage to the slumber party series they're paying homage to like horror in general like lots of ideas about subversive horror and change and like horror with a twist and stuff like that and so I really kind of appreciated the way all of that kind of came together organically like none of this movie to my shock felt like forced or any of that kind of stuff like it just there's such like a relaxed kind of like we know what we're doing just stick with this and we'll win you over. And that's like exactly what it did. Like I stuck with it because I had to watch it. And then at one point, like I ended up loving it. I agree. I, I totally agree. One note, let's go over some things that were callbacks. Like I tried to look up a list here, see if I missed any, but we already mentioned uh, Brini, her character. She wears the space baby shirt. And when I saw that, Mike, I was like, fuck. I even sent you a picture right away. I'm like, I'm all in. You know how much I love the Space Baby shirt from the original uh, The Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. Like, I'm like, okay, at least someone watched them here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's a great call. <laughs> so uh, the Driller Killer, Russ Thorne here, they try to lift as much dialogue as possible from the original film. Like, he says the same things. He, his mannerisms are the same. His wardrobe is the same, which is great, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so great, yeah. The pillow fight scene, which is hilarious once we learn, like, why everything is happening the way it is, that was supposed to be a, a shot-for-shot reference to Slumber Party Massacre 2, where they have a pillow fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, too, because the sister's like, are you kidding me? Like, you <laughs> can, like sit around and actually have in a pillow fight? I already mentioned that the uh, the names are from the whole, all the names are from the Slumber Party series. The one thing that the filmmaker added, or not really added, but uh, Dana, who's our lead, and Maeve, who's the one with the older sister, there's a little bit of, like, you know, gay sexual tension between them. Yeah. And that's apparently a take on... Trish and Valerie from the original film who people have watched and said they have kind of sexual attention in that film but it's like implied wow. I'd have to rewatch well, deep and see dive. that that's a, that's a deep cut right there for sure for sure um, and then the one thing too 
that should be noted for anyone watching, everyone involved in the filming acknowledged that this was a parody of, of not like a scary movie type of parody, but it's supposed to be a parody of horror and the Slumber Party series. That it's not making fun of so much, but it's definitely like overanalyzing it. And yes, making fun of the silliness of it while still respecting it. The main thing that you mentioned, Mike, though, is that they wanted to flip the male gaze to the female gaze. Yes, there were women directors there, but they were still under the Corman arm, and you have to deliver for Roger, right? You have to show yeah. t- you have to show <laughs> tits for Roger. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. Like there's man- there were mandates. <laughs> no, yeah, we're not. It's not like a secret thing. It was a very much a mandated thing, as you've told me, right? And like Roger Corman has, you know, said like he's not proud of it. I'm sure, but like that that's how he made so much money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So this one. Um, I believe the exact quote was, they want to take the best parts of its predecessors, scrapping the demeaning bits, and amping up the female gaze to 11. Nice. See, like, it rides such a thin line that it could fall off at any moment that tonally it has to make so many shifts and sort of so many thematic twists that it wants to kind of make like comments on with the previous films and like the horror genre in general. And I think they do an amazing job because it kind of starts out very well made, very well done, but like every other slumber party massacre movie, but like, or like for that matter, any cabin at the lake movie, because in this we're at a cabin in the lake. And I think they bring that back around at the end to their benefit in a very fun way that is also feels like an homage. However, like what I want to say now is that like, it's funny without ever being naked gun. Like you said, like scary movie kind of thing. <laughs> like it never, like it, it just, it knows like when it's, when it's the boys having like their pillow fight or whatever they're doing, you know, they're like just jumping around their cabin and the girls see them and is like, this is what guys do? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, like, there's just such a great kind of tongue-in-cheek nature there that has always sort of been present in good horror, that balance, right, of the shock and the funny or, you know, the sex and violence or the jokes and the horror. And, you know, Dan and I struggled with that through a couple of Universal films recently where some were just way funnier than they were scary. And this does a great job of like disarming me of being like, is this a joke right now? And then they turn it around and it's like, no, that was for real. And like, it's going to be scary and it's going to get scary and actually work and it's going to get funny and it's going to be funny and work and they're going to work together in a very good balance. Yes, yeah, so let's uh, kind of break down exactly how that happens. So we get a little prelude from 1993, um, and there's just teens in a cabin, and the driller killer shows up and murders almost everyone except one person. I, I mean, anything specific you want to mention about this first scene that you hadn't? Or Yeah, so the, this is where I was like, oh, boy, I thought this was going to be the whole movie, right? And I was like, we're going to spend it at a cabin in the woods like it's not going to be in the suburbs in a house at a slumber party like that was my first kind of like hump to get over but then the movie jumps you know 10 years later that's just an opening sequence however we will end back at that exact same house by the lake but that ultimately didn't end up bothering me either because it's a great cabin by the lake movie it's better than a couple of those friday the 13th movies and it pays homage at the end with the mom reveal so like I was happy at the end of the day 
that yeah. it took place at the at the lakefront. Mike, I'm with you. I thought the whole movie was going to be this, and I thought it was going to be, again, something like Fear Street. Like, oh, we're going to take the spirit of the Slumber Party Massacre series, but it's just kind of going to be another horror film. Whatever, it's going to be a slumber party, but we'll take it from there. But, again, I was pleasantly surprised, because we flash forward to modern day, and the survivor has a daughter... She's super paranoid about her going out on a slumber party. We see that she's into true crime, and that's our first hint that something might be a little bit different here. Crime bandits, baby. That's you, me, and Corey Feldman. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. I love how they integrated how popular true crime podcasts are. Oh, well, you know what I loved about that? To me, that that was a very immediate and, like, timely jab at... Halloween 2018 where it starts off and like podcasters of true crime are interviewing Michael Myers at it like the state penitentiary I was like holy shit are they riffing on that the same month the sequel to that comes out oh interesting yeah I didn't realize that that's cool Dana our main lead here and we should say loved to see that the lead was a person of color right that's cool Yeah. yeah yeah because we don't get much of that in the Slumber Party Massacre series some well, for, forget Slumber Party Maskers, like any series. Like, I think of, you know, what, like Demon Knight with Jada Pinkett Smith? Like, she sort of, that's what comes to mind. Like, it's, there's just, yeah, it's just unfortunate, but I wish there were way more examples. I'm happy that people like uh, Jordan Peele are course correcting in a major totally. way. That Like, it's, it's super cool to see. But, yeah, so Dana's our lead here, and she just basically, you know, Gets in a van with her friends. And I'm just thinking, you know, they want to get away with their friends and just have a slumber party where they can just drink and have a good time, right? Like, that's just what I'm thinking at this point because that's kind of what I've been trained to, yeah. to do. You get another clue when, like, the mom asks where they're going and they both say, like, two different towns. But I guess I was kind of with you. I wasn't 100% bought in at this point. It's not that it's bad, right? Like, it's still that it's better than most movies doing this. It's just, A, it's doing it for a reason that I'm I'm not aware of yet. And B, it's doing it so well that I'm getting annoyed with it, where it's like, why do you have to just be this? You know, like, why are we just going through the motions? Like, I can't believe this is going to be that. And it doesn't end up being that. But like, at the time, like, it's toying with me. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think great effect. Love, love the little sister in the trunk, right? Like, oh, yeah. Great bit. Like, totally got me too. I love uh, Rambunctious Little Sister in all movies, and to have her here, awesome. Um, and she looked like a little sister, right? Like, she looked old enough to hang with them, but not old enough to be their peer, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's also kind of remarkable is how similar boy and girl teenagers actually are i was thinking right like <laughs> in a lot of ways there's like really no difference in the setup per se yeah i don't i don't know like it reminded me of can't buy me love right where his little brother's always trying to hang out with him or something like that like i'm just saying like it's it's a very sort of familiar dynamic in teen movies i guess too so like there's more of that that they're even riffing on you know so i thought that was great yeah no for sure and i I think again that's part of it right like are there differences sure but i think there's a lot more similarities between you know gender constructs than there are differences and 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 we really really see that here 
Let's let's just get into it. Let's just get into how this movie does this coolest thing that I've seen in a while. <laughs> it really is. Which I was see, shocked. What, is it a short movie? And what the whole like a th- first third of the movie is a complete setup for us. They like stop into town because like they bust like a hose in their car, right? And so it's gonna take them a day to get that fixed. And the lady at the store is like, "Well, I have a." She's like, "Oh, you could stay at this place. It's close by, and we'll come fix your car when when we get the part." And it it turns out to be the same lake that started the movie that the driller killer and this uh, the girl's mom sort of uh, took place at, right? We're down the road a, a bit further now where it's like, still, I'm like, okay, this is very much like, fr- like Friday the 13th. We're stopping at the local store or like cabin in, what is the other one? Like, Fear Cabin by Eli Roth. What's that one where people's skin fall off? Where it's like they stop at the local store. You're asking the wrong person. (laughs) Okay, I'm about to have to turn in my horror card for not knowing the uh, the Eli Roth lake face melting movie. But um, in that, it's like the same thing. They stop at a local store. There's like a weirdo that works there, and it's like shows them directions and stay this and that and everything. And it's like, wow, it's so perfectly set up, but it's like so. Again, why do we have to do this? And suddenly, like, something happens. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's just like, like you said, like, we just have seen that so many times. Like, part missing in the car and I can't fix it right away sort of thing. They end up, uh, what's the lady's name? I don't even remember. The the lady at the general store is the one who, like, oh, I'll take you to this house. Uh, Or, like, you know, you could stay at this house for the night. And the sister the entire time is just like, Ugh, why did I come? This is boring. And I love, as she's putting things together, so are we putting things together. Yes. Wait, this is the town that they mentioned before with the mother. How could the daughter not really know that? That's kind of weird. Are they this oblivious? That's the whole thing I'm thinking of. That's literally my notes, right? One of the friends is like acting super ditzy where it's like is she reading like a script or something? Like she she can't be this bad an actress like because I know like just can't right like there's like pe- people just feel like i believe you start seeing them through her the little sister's eyes more and more and you can tell like they're not acting the way she knows them or something like something's off something's definitely off and they get to that like house and they start having like the pillow fight you know dancing to the music and like eating popcorn and like baking brownies and the little sister's like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> And I'm kind of like, yeah, like at this point, I'm like, what the hell is going to happen here? Again, the way that they're having the pillow fight and stuff and the way that they're like just being so ditzy. It's like I was giving the main character a lot more credit. And then when I saw her behaving that way with the rest of them, I'm like, really? They just went into the woods. And I'm like, oh, this must be a straight up comedy then. Like this just must be like a parody in a sense that like. Everything predictable is going to happen, but we're just going to laugh about it. And the sister is yeah. really the only realistic ca- uh, character. Right when I was about to be on board with that, Brian, because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, all right, it is going to be Naked Gun now. Like, yeah. we are going to be in a Wayne's Brothers film, like, starting now. That's the rug that's about to be pulled out from under us, but it, but it was a different rug. <laughs> no, and even better, this is all a setup. They they just reveal their, all the weapons they have. I'm like, oh my god, what? Right? Yeah, they stop dancing. They're like, all right, we're ready. And they pull out machetes and, like, knives and all this shit. And the sisters, the little girl's like, what is going on? And they're like, 
We're setting a trap for the Driller Killer. We came here on purpose. Might as well be the fucking anniversary of the night my mom got attacked. <laughs> like, it is on and we're here to kill this guy. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. I was like, I didn't see that coming from anywhere. And, and, I, and I immediately bought into it 100%. Absolutely. I loved, I loved that twist. I thought it was so cool. Like, that twist plays so much better than we could ever possibly like describe it so i'm just trying to express the elation in my voice for like how good the movie got at that point where i was like whoa like it it totally tricked me like the whole time i was like have you seen or heard of cabin in the woods like i don't want to give too much away about that movie but there's a really great twist in that as well it's it's from 2011 it's got chris hemsworth i actually saw cabin that was in the theater with okay kyle reinford because we were like oh this guy's gonna play thor let's see this movie like right before right. it, just so we could like we were we were Marvel scouting when we went to see that movie, <laughs> and that is like one of the more sort of batshit crazy kind of meta comments on horror films. So like you kind of saw that at the beginning of of your journey through the horror verse, um, where it's like kind of in, not intended, but like you know it was sort of made for the uber fan right it was sort of like how do you tie every horror movie together and this had like that same vibe at that moment where it's like that whole first act was like all that ritualistic setup of going to the cabin in the woods and now we're at the cabin and the script is completely flipped mike i hated hated cabin in the woods the first time i saw it (laughs) but i didn't have the horror knowledge that's a movie you need to do your homework for and be a horror fan for i really think I didn't get it, and I saw it somewhat recently, and I really liked it, you know, because I had a little bit more horror knowledge, so I mean, it made more sense to me, if that makes sense. This is a weird little uh, avenue to go on, but I know people who hate Moonstruck, right, because they just don't get it. Not a horror film. <laughs> okay. Not a horror <laughs> no, film, not... <laughs> but, but right, like, if you don't take the tongue-in-cheek nature of that movie and movies like that, you're going to think it's just a shitty movie. And it's the same for something like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, that bones me out sometimes because that is the point of the medium. Moonstruck's an opera. You know, it, it's a drama, it's a comedy, it's all these things wrapped into one. And, you know, and it's like, you can't just call it one thing. You know, like, it's a, it's a movie. Like, that's the fucking point. Like realism and shit like you don't you know like the thing i love about movies is learning about cultures that are different than my own you know and like having experiences through the eyes of the filmmaker because i never get off my fucking couch you know like that that kind of thing so and in this again post twist again i'm all in i want to see what's happening and also believable to me yeah i'm super invested now right like before I couldn't really give a shit because I thought it was just going to be we were just going to like mark off the boxes right we were just going to just run through all the references that we can but now the movie like has become its own thing you know it like takes ownership of itself in the same way that like these women will <laughs> to like take care of this man and get this killer man out of their lives let's face it with the like recent like what's that uh unfortunately the the young woman who was murdered Gabby, Gabby Petito, right? Like, everyone was sleuthing online. Oh, right, right. Yeah, break out your Google map, yeah. Exactly. People were actually there, like, looking in places for the dude, right? This is not that crazy to think that there'd be people, I don't know about machetes and trying to kill someone, but there'd be people to rent out or Airbnb out the cabin where a famous murder took place 
to try to investigate. That is not crazy at all these days. No, no. I, in fact, I feel like that was very commonplace even before Airbnbs or true crime sort of uh, fanatics. Like, I feel like there were always those kinds of people that would love to travel around the country and like stay in the weird places or or things like that. I think the difference with this movie is like what I think is they've actually kind of summoned the driller killer back or something. I mean, I have other theories as to who he actually is or what might actually be going on by the end of the movie. But like, you know, it just kind of feels to me at this point, like, oh, cool. Like they've completed the ritual. It worked. And he's here. That was rad. <laughs> it's like the movie is, is playing by, by like these cool rules. There wasn't a lot it could do wrong after this that would have made me just opt out of the rest of it. You know what I mean? Like it's such a bold yeah. choice that I was like, all right, you got me. You got me. The Space Baby and this were amazing. When they meet the guys, that I could, I saw some reviews that said that was a little heavy handed, but I didn't mind. Like, you know, because the guys are like bimbos, you know, they're himbos, if you will, right? They're, they're there for similar reasons. One of them's an Uso, too, because he's got like all of that tribal tattoo. <laughs> yes. You know, there's guy one and guy two. They're just dummies. They behave, though, again, we said this, like a lot of the women in horror films. They really do. And that's on purpose, right? I don't know if we're going to have time to go over all the kills or whatever, but you mentioned that there was like a male nudity scene. And that's literally taken from so many horror films, including this own series, where it, it, eventually a guy gets murdered and he's by the driller killer and he's just a guy and he just decides to take an outdoor shower in the middle of a murdering spree, essentially. We see his butt, or, you know, censored, and he just gets drilled in, in the chest, right? Like, that's that's something we see in horror films way too much. And I love the little flip because, again, it's not like a two wrongs make a right thing. It's more like a, see, when you see it this way, doesn't it seem stupid? Yeah, or even, like, doesn't it make more sense? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Than it happening to the girl in a lot of ways a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it plays great both ways. And, like, this isn't on the Criterion Collection, you know? This is Slumber Party Massacre 4 on the Sci-Fi Channel, right? But, like, it's really good exploitation. Like, it's really fun, and it's very, like, tuned in... Like, good exploitation needs to. It's not just about, like, the sex and the gore. It's about the issues, too. Like, it's commenting on society, too. And, like, like it or not, so did all those exploitation movies, all right? That's why you usually had, like, the outsider running around trying to, like, take over and stuff. Because it's, like, against society and the norms and stuff at the time, I believe. And I think they're doing a great job of all of that shit here, too. And it was just, like, really, like, not expecting that from I don't want again I don't want to say this caliber because it's proven itself in my mind to be to be you know of of a higher higher caliber and stuff but like yeah is it elevated horror no but like for the sci-fi channel maybe uh, again I, I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying um, the next big thing I wrote down was you know when the murders are kind of starting to happen or they decide at least to try to get the driller killer um, their weapons, the boys' weapons, right? Like, this is where the guitar comes to play, but it doesn't have the drill. Like, some of the weapons are so dumb, but we see these in horror films at times. And, and some are pretty, pretty freaking serious. And you mentioned the gore. This is a gory movie. I'm not the biggest gore fan, but we get some serious, bloody, not just drill stuff, but machete stuff and 
I don't know. What would you think of that? I was surprised. I was very surprised at how much they showed. Again, like I think I mentioned earlier, I don't think censors give a shit about the violence. It's all about the sex, you know? Like, you could show someone getting killed, but you can't show them being, you know, conceived, right? Like, how crazy is that? <laughs> yeah, all that aside, like... This, again, that's why I wasn't sure how censored this version was, because I felt like it went really far. Like, there were really long takes of wide shots of, like, the drill going through the girl's neck, right, from, like, profile. And I was like, please cut away from this. This is going on too long, you know? And, like, after shots of, like, mangled faces. And you're right. Also, like, stab, like, lots of stabbing, um, like, throat slashings the, um, the nail gun eventually oh my god the nail gun to the eye like that was terrible oh, ha- like, or how about the uh the car fan Ugh. yeah like i'll put it this way like it, <laughs> they might not have had as much money but i kind of think these kills are, are better than the ones in halloween kills like i saw that as well and like everyone's talking about how like oh that's very violent for michael myers to be seeing all that violence and stuff and it's like yeah he stabs a couple people in the neck and a guy jumps out of a building and stuff but like this is like as bad like i think or as good i mean i'm sorry like however you want to yeah. phrase it it's it's kind of on that level like you really you know i don't think sci-fi channel is going to be editing much of halloween kills when that goes on their channel so uh were there any other scenes you want to mention um before we get to the conclusion of the driller killer storyline in this right right um for an hour and 20 minutes or whatever almost everyone gets picked off it's very good the way i like the way it plays with within the rules that it's set up it's funny how at one point well i guess we'll talk about it when when they kill the driller killer and stuff but like all throughout the movie some of the boys kind of think that like these girls have some kind of like they they're just like looking for men to kill <laughs> like they've got like this crazy man rage or something i'm not sure exactly like what the guy's getting at there but he thinks that they might have staged the murders just so that they could get away with them or something i think maybe out of all the plot lines that one could have been dropped or needed to be like worked on a little bit better um it, it added a little bit of confusion to me watching the movie but that is a very minor sort of i guess that's a complaint Again, like, there's going to be sort of, like, another twist coming up. So I think we should just kind of, like, you know, get there. Like, it's kind of cool how, like, the second and, like, part of the... I guess the whole second half of the movie is, is like, the full-on massacre stuff. I guess we'll we'll say that for the most part. Yeah, and uh, you're kind of right with the guys, though, just to go back to that quickly. I liked how they were used. I liked the examples they were given. But in a very ironic way, I think we got to see them a little too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's might be what I was trying to say. I, I don't know what it was, but like I just didn't care about them and, and maybe maybe because I don't have that lens. Um I like that they kept taking off their shirts, stuff like that. I like not that I agree with them, but I like how anytime the girls would talk and make a plan, they would just ignore it and you know, mansplain and be in their own head. I like all that <laughs> stuff. I didn't need like solo cutaways of them though. And I was a little confused by all that. But Regardless, I think the part we're referring to is that they actually kill the driller killer fairly, not early, but with a lot of time left on the clock. We'll put it that way. Yeah, and they do a good bait kind of gag, too, where, like, I think that he's actually going to get this girl, like, that that they are 
overtaken, let's say, and uh, like he he bursts into the cabin and kind of gives one of those like "Where'd you go?" looking kind of faces, and then they all like spring on him and they're like, "We got you, motherfucker!" And I was like, "Holy shit, they got him! <laughs> they actually worked." Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was so cool. But again, you knew you knew that when you know with the t- again time left on the clock. But not just that, that, like, none of the girls had died, really? Yeah, but, but the way the movie was going... I mean, I knew the movie wasn't over once they killed him. But I didn't think it was going to go the way it went. I didn't know... No. Because where do you go? Like, Oh, I was, like, I was literally like, <laughs> where are we going here? But I knew someone, some of the girls had to die, right? Like, it just seemed like that would be the case. Well, I yeah, so, like, I actually thought um, they might... So, like... Yeah, before we actually say what happens, which I think is really cool, like the dumb thing that I thought was going to happen, and I think you're led to maybe consider this too, is that one of the boys is going to end up killing the rest of the girls. Like he's maybe gone insane because of like his friends being murdered. Maybe he thinks that they did it and he's like conjured that up in his own mind somehow. But uh, thankfully they don't, I wasn't the writer and they didn't go that way. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I like where they took it. I like where it went here. Because I was genuinely questioning it. I was like, what is going on? Um, we, we do learn that the lady who they met at the general store, the one who gave him the home, is the Driller Killer's mother? Do I have that right? Yeah, so it's a full-on Jason Voorhees reveal, where, like, not the whole movie, but, like, after the Driller Killer's been killed, um, his mom continues the job, like, keeps going. So, like, that led me to think, like... Was she helping the whole time? Like, what, it, you know, like, it just got, like, I love that bit because, A, it spoke to Friday the 13th, and we've been at a cabin by the lake the whole time, and B, like, it got my mind going, like, maybe she was dressed up as him the whole time, too, and, like, all the prosthetics were what they were cutting through or something. Was the driller killer even really here the whole time? Like, was it her the whole time? Like, again, like, there are no real definitive answers to any of those questions. I think it's it was him and it is her. I think they're separate people. But it still was a lot of fun to just consider all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I really enjoyed it because it really gave plausibility to even the whole thing of, like, how did the killer get from there to here, you know? Maybe, like you said, maybe his <laughs> mom was having him the whole time. Who knows? And it also really made the men in this movie completely irrelevant, which again is is pretty cool, right? Because like it was, it ended up yeah. being woman against woman. Amazing fight at the end when um, the girl's mom shows up. Yeah, so that so that's the that's the <laughs> other that's the other 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 big twist, right? Uh, her oh mom, who's a badass. First of all, there's like hold on, let me just set the stage for you where I was watching this movie on the edge of my seat because there's like three minutes left okay and i'm like how are they gonna wrap this up in three minutes there's no way they're gonna wrap this up in three minutes how are they gonna do this and like they do it i was shy. i mean maybe it wasn't three minutes but i was literally like there's no time left in this movie and so much has to be done they're never gonna get there like they're gonna run out of time and they fucking don't and i couldn't believe it yeah yeah so a couple of the girls end up dying and it's brutal because the you know the mom the mom of the driller killer is just going to town with the nail gun and everything, and it's 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 gruesome. And she's also like poisoned cookies. So one of the girls, right. the little sister, is getting violently ill because she's poisoned these cookies that she's eating. And you're like, what the hell is gonna happen? 
I didn't know. I thought they all might die because at one point, our lead here, Dana, she's gotten severely stabbed at one point. You know what I mean? Again, we just don't know what's going to happen here. When the mom shows up, I almost forgot about the mom element. Uh, it's it's so good. Like They made a point in the beginning of the movie, starting with her experience and everything, to be like, don't forget about this person. Like It was so, like right, like on the nose. Like They're pulling out of the driveway, and there's a concerned look on her face. And like I'm saying to myself, yeah, I shouldn't forget about that character, huh? And I totally did. Like The movie got her completely out of my mind. Same with the Driller Killer's mom, where it was like, all right, she's just... She's just that placeholder. She's just the lady getting them from point A to point B. Like, she's not going to be important later. But they were two Chekhov guns sitting on the mantle. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Time. And it becomes mom versus mom. And it's like the Amazing. mom has been prepared for this moment her whole life. The second scene where the mom and the daughter interact, where Dana's mom and Dana interact at the beginning, Dana's mom kind of looks a little, like, sheltered. Like, she's had this life, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's like, Sydney Prescott syndrome going on. I'm not thinking she's a badass. I'm thinking she more, like, just lived her life privately for the rest of that time, right? But in actuality, she was just protecting her daughter, and she was more like, you know, if I ever get the chance, I'll kill the driller killer, too. You know? I, <laughs> like, mother like daughter. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And, again, they have this great battle at the end. And I didn't uh, do a proper uh, head count on... You know, or kill count, if you will. What, what do we call that? Body count. Body count, all right. Yeah, I didn't do a proper body count. But a lot of people die, and who are our survivors? I guess the two sisters, Dana and the mom. And That's it. That's it. Yeah. Again, it was so tense for me because, like, there was so little time left in the movie. And I was like, there's one move by either of these that they have left to make. And, you know, the way the movie was sort of, like, twisting and turning the whole time, like, I wouldn't have been shocked if it ended with the mother of the driller killer like standing over the victims laughing her head off and like holding up the guitar over her head or something you know what i'm saying i'd be like that's awesome but it's like even better that they squeeze in like super mom coming at the end and you have this amazing lady fight that you like hardly ever get to see in, in movies right like you have to go to the fast and furious movies to see ladies like beating up each other and stuff and it's such a different form and it's so like I don't know. Like, I'm so used to seeing guys fight that when I see women fight, like, it's just a, it's just such a difference, you know? And, like, these felt like real people, too, not, like, necessarily stunt fighters or, like, highly trained people. So there was, like, a great clumsiness involved in their mannerisms and the way that they're moving and everything. So, like, it was just a lot of... I was just very excited from what I was seeing. <laughs> the way I feel about this film is the opposite of how I felt about uh, Prom Night what is that, four or five? Five, I guess, the reboot. Idris Elba's prom yeah, night. Idris Elba's <laughs> prom night. Like, I was just like, yeah, you go, team. You know, you go, sci-fi. You go, everyone behind this. Um, anything else you want to mention, though, in regards to, like, moments in the film, or should we get to our awards? Yeah, I think we should get to the awards. I mean, you know, the, we've almost been talking as long as the movie, so, like, we'll check <laughs> out the movie for sure. Like, no doubts now. Like, I was very happy with the outcome and everything. It's a great addition to, like, just the insanity that every movie kind of takes upon itself, right? Like, each movie feels crazy in its own way, and that's, like, also part of the tradition. <laughs> so... There might not be like a 15-minute volleyball scene in this one, but there's one in part three, so <laughs> so that's amazing. But that's what I mean. It's like they're all part of this terrific whole, but they're all also so wonderfully unique in such 
like quirky fun and entertaining ways and gotta attribute that to the filmmakers the writers and the directors which are women and it is a very different lens than most movies most movies made by men bottom line so like this is great this is why i love movies you know because i get to see the world through the eyes of these different people couldn't agree more mike uh just one other thing i had in my notes that i wanted to add was i like how in the end that the driller killer's mom is impaled by the driller killer's drill right like it's part of the drill perfect chef's kiss there what complex is that fulfilled? Ooh. There's some kind of, of, course it does. of Oedipus course. thing going It's on. definitely phallic. Um. <laughs> okay, Mike, who is this movie made for? Me. <laughs> um. I think us. I think us. Yeah. Because... No, I, I think like every, I mean, it's going to be a tough sell, unfortunately, but I feel like people, people are going to love it. Horror fans are not going to have a hard time turning this on, but like, I mean, you know, we might have a couple friends it might be hard to convince to watch, but like... The Legion, the Horror Legion or whatever, you know, those those people, I hope they love it. But, like, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Especially, especially, though, if you've seen the series and you know the series. It's fun in, for horror in general, but we've seen things that m- make fun of horror. This well-studied, uh, they're scholars of the entire series, and bravo on that. All right, Mike, who is the MVP of the movie? Most likely, Most likely to succeed. Who won? Which character? Oh, boy. Um, I guess Dana's mom? Is it Dana's mom who comes at the end? That's that's actually a good call. I was going to say Dana, obviously. But no, you're right. It's Dana's mom. She gets the ultimate revenge and saves yeah, her daughter. Yeah, her daughter almost stole it from her right? like, <laughs> and screwed it up. Like, that's a weird way to watch, to, like, think of the movie. Imagine if she started the movie and was like, hey, mom, I got an idea. And, like, <laughs> rolled out her plan and, like, told her the truth. And her mom was like... I'm with that. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, Wooderson Award. Is there a character in the film who you would have liked to have seen more of? Um, hmm. I know that's a tough call, you know, because a lot of it is like, you don't want to see more of the mothers because they're trying to be very coy with that. You don't really want to, you see a lot of the Driller Killer. I was very surprised and I was I really liked that appearance. Like, I love how he's in his denim tuxedo. You know, how he's, how he's got, like, that weird sort of, like, half-cocked look on his face. Very striking sort of presence. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I don't think that they went over or under. On, I mean, maybe they went a little overboard on, on some of the guy scenes, you know. Maybe we could have had an extra elongated kill sequence or not necessarily for titillation, but, like, if you wanted to have, like, the two girls sort of explore that relationship... In a way, you could have had a scene of them talking a little bit more about that or something. You know, not that they had to be making out. They could have just been talking about it. So I can't really see anyone that I really needed more of. Yeah, I couldn't think of an answer for this one. But uh, to skip ahead to Long Duck Dong Award, 2021 movie. Nothing right now to us feels controversial in the Long Duck Dong way. So if I had to cut anything out, again, like we said, let's trim the guy scenes a little bit. It was effective enough. In my mind, what they were doing. I didn't need mm-hmm. storylines around them, you know. Just make them more cannon fodder, and I'm fine with it. Agreed. So we'll skip to Cameron Fry Award, and I think we're in a consensus here because we already discussed it. They cast people who looked like, I don't want to say real teens, but real movie teens. You know, they looked pretty young. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they didn't have to be digitally de-aged, <laughs> right? Like, none of that kind of crap happening. Didn't, isn't that what they had to do with, like, that one, like, Dear Evan Hansen movie or something? I don't know if that's the actual title, but... It is Dear Evan Hansen. I think they tried to de-age him, but... Oh, me and Kyle, when we went to see... Uh, what did we see? We saw Shang-Chi together, and they played a trailer for that. And we just kind of looked at each other. And we're like, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> that guy looks like he's 40. Um, <laughs> Islan Addington and I will be covering that on High Slumberd AP. Oh, I can't wait. Once it gets streamed, though, because we were you know, we were talking off air, like, do we go to the theater for this? Because it was like only theater movie. And we were like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, don't, don't, risk, don't risk the Delta variant for that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, let's grade the film, Mike, and this is going to be a little bit hard because we do always look at our cheat sheet here, and six critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it 100%, but the audience, which was 50, which is not a big big sample size at all, gave it 31%. Mm. This is mostly a TV movie, though. doesn't have a lot of reviews, so it's really hard to gauge off that. You shouldn't let that influence you one way or another. On Letterboxd, three out of five which is pretty good a lot more people responded there but yeah. we have a different history with this series so we're going to give it our own grade here on ice slumber party you have the manila card in your hand the red pen a plus <laughs> to f scale what will you grade 2021's slumber party massacre so i mean this has to be graded on some kind of a curve right for it being a distributed we'll call it distributed on sci-fi film because they didn't make it right like they're just a no no shout factory is the yeah and, and good on shout factory for what i understand like i don't know that they make a lot of movies like i know they are great at curating and distributing a lot of weird movies that i love but i've never really known them for for actually making movies well, I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I give this movie an A. Like, I have to. There's no way. Actually, you know, I would give it an A+, plus, but, like, that would kind of be pushing it. Like, it gets the A bump because it's premiered on a cable television network, you know, where I really feel like they, you know, maybe didn't want to release this in theaters but like this could have gone right to video on the man like i would have paid four bucks to watch this thing you know like that's how much i really enjoyed it and i think if you're a fan of the series you should like it i think if you're a fan of horror in general you should like it and i think if you're even like a new fan or an old fan you should like it because if you don't know what they're making fun of like I said earlier, it rides like such a nice thin line that like you might not be able to tell they're even making fun of anything. Like it's kind of that smart. So yeah, very good grade. Well, Mike, I'm with you and I know this sounds crazy for being not a horror guy, but I gave this film an A minus because I'm just grading on enjoy enjoyability at this point. And yes, I think you do need a little bit background to watch this movie. And maybe my expectations were really low. But I came in and I had a good time watching it and I really want to watch that uncut version, if you will, or, or the less cut version. And maybe I'll just see a man, but who knows. But it's still <laughs> like I would watch this movie again and it made me want to watch the entire series over again. And if you're a sequel and you do that, bravo, right? So I think we have surprisingly good grades here for slumber party massacre so good job all around dude you nailed it with the idea of like if if the fourth one can make you like excited and go back and watch the whole series again that's a success and a half 
right? Like, how many times are you even just like, why are they making the fourth one and whatever? And you see it and you're like, don't do another. It's very rare where you're like, you watch it and you got to go back and be like, I got to go back and watch them all. So good job. Now, the controversial opinion, I guess, but this is what to me reboots and fourth movies should be when they are on streaming services or TV, right? Like when you're not like going for let's start a whole new franchise and you just kind of want to tickle the nostalgia, they should be more like this. Good call. Great call, actually. Yeah, it's just a different caliber. You're right. Yeah. Sleeping bag. What does your slumber party massacre sleeping bag look like if you and I are having that slumber party together and not hopefully not massacring each other (laughs) um oh boy like i don't know this time around i mean i i I guess it would have i mean oh man the only thing i could think of like thematically is like a denim sleeping bag because that's what the driller killer wears (laughs) dresses like jay leno when he's not on the tonight show um (laughs) so maybe like a big denim sleeping bag which would probably not be too comfortable no, but I love it. Look, I'm going to copy what I probably said. I don't even remember what I probably said, though, for The Slumber Party Massacre, Massacre the original. Oh, yeah, me neither. I have no clue. But I'm going to guess I did a Space Baby sleeping bag. So I'm doing it again. <laughs> space Baby sleeping bag. I was so Very tempted cool. to buy that shirt. I really was. You need, yeah, you should buy that shirt. <laughs> okay, Mike, you and I are on the magical blockbuster that exists. Not the one in Bend, Oregon, because Aris has every movie that has ever existed. Oh, not the actual final blockbuster that you stood in? No, I mean, that, look, that had a lot of movies, but this one is more magical than that, because it has every movie to ever exist up until this day. We get to the counter, we know we're having our slumber party, and we see a sign that says, rent two movies, get one free. But we see the fine print on the sign, and it says, you cannot rent a movie in the same series. And I say, hmm, okay. With that caveat, Mike, go to the back, pick two other movies that we can rent when we watch 2021's Slumber Party Massacre. And again, no other Slumber Party movies qualify. <laughs> it's just funny how there's that extra rule now. Did someone abuse this? Did someone just well, say, like, yeah, watch the first two? <laughs> I mean, we've gotten that sometimes. Sometimes I'll allow it. I don't want to allow it here. One, and no doubt. When Kate Hudson is on... Well, we've name-dropped her a lot today, but when Kate Hudson is on, there's a rule that says you cannot recommend Con Air. So. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, because that would just be obvious. <laughs> obvious. Um, I did something, I don't know if you want to say, like, maybe in the vein of, like, Austin Will Southern. Uh, like, I tried to come up with an interesting pairing based on, like, a very kind of loose, obscure reason, I guess. <laughs> you know? So, like, okay, so this movie, the Slumber Party Massacre movie, 2021 that's the year right yeah that's the year we're in right what year is this Jesus. (laughs) so this movie was sort of a part four but also sort of a reboot right so i have one part four and one reboot that i'm gonna recommend tonight nice love it all right so my reboot is a horror reboot and man not a lot of people like this movie and like I think everyone's got to give it another shot because I think it's the only scary one in the entire series. And it's 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the remake one that they made. Interesting. Let's see. It's got Rooney Mara is in it. Jackie Earl Haley plays Freddy Krueger. They really take a whole different direction with like 
the lore. I think it's much more like in line with like child abuse and that kind of thing. Um, he also haunts their dreams and stuff, but it didn't get a great review because it is a, a lot of it is kind of a remake, but I call it a reboot because they really tried to like ground it in a different tone. Like there's no, it's not funny at all. Like they really tried to go for like a horror tip and like hard horror with this one. And I thought, I thought it worked really well. I haven't watched it in a while, but when I watched it, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was pretty successful. And so I'm just throwing that out there maybe wow. uh, in the Halloween season. What's your next one? My next one is a part four. And it's part four of my favorite film series of all times. And it's, it's an amazing movie. It's got incredible social commentary. And it's probably more prescient today than it was yesterday. And that is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Ooh, nice. Our boy, Roddy McDowell. <laughs> Uh, it's also got our boy Ricardo Montalban. Oh, so, yes. you know, uh, 1972, this is the fourth one in the original series. And this is the one where, like, it's the future. Apes are everywhere. Humans and apes are, like, living together. And there's, like, this giant ape revolt, right? But, like, it's really, like, about the civil rights movement. Like, that's what's, like, kind of insane about this Planet of the Ace movie. Like, they've always, <laughs> really? they've always had, like, social commentary to them. You know, I mean, like, Rod Serling co-wrote the original for Crying Out Loud. So, like, how it's, like, it plays like a Twilight Zone episode. But this really is a lot about, like, racism and social justice. It's, like, you would be... You would be blown away if you watched this tonight. Like, it is shocking. It is scary. It is all this stuff. And it is so relevant that, like, I will never stop thinking about this movie. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what, Mike? When you're done with one of your many podcasts, Monsters or Third Time's a Charm, if they stop making third films, maybe we do a Too Fast, Too Forever of Planet of the Apes. There's nine, I think, Planet of the Apes movies, you know? That... Yeah, and now that was it Disney acquired Fox so they own the rights to Planet of the Apes and that's what they're working on right now first they were like let's do indie because we got that from Lucas and now let's do the apes that's I think the first Fox property that oh they're doing the aliens tv show on FX or something but then they're like yeah let's reboot that apes franchise wow so we might need to get on this we might need to try to overtake the the Fast and Furious guys <laughs> here and I know we have Twilight Forever here on Heist of Slumber Party, but they're not making any more Twilight movies yet, at least. If they're making more apes, we gotta jump on that. We gotta jump on it. I gotta get in on some of that Twilight soon. There's there's a third one. We gotta have a party over on my show for, <laughs> for that. Oh man, yes. So Twilight, apes, slumber parties. We love the series here, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Mike, those are great picks. And thank you for introducing me to the series, and I'm happy that we got a pleasant surprise today. Welcome back to High School Summer Party. You'll be on again soon. Uh, anything you want to plug or, or talk about? Um, I've got a couple shows I could plug, I guess. So Cage Club with Joey and myself, Cage Club Prime, the, the first show. Uh, going strong this year. Cage has had a couple movies, all cool, different interesting. We just did the Prisoners of the Ghostland episode last month, so check that out. Uh, Joey and I also, um, we do an Elvis podcast called Viva Pod Vegas, where we're going through all of Elvis's movies. We did another one of those, Wild in the Country. That movie is insane. Go check out that episode. I mean, 
it is wilder in the country than you can imagine. <laughs> I have a show I do every month called Third Times a Charm, where I look at the third installment of a franchise. Brian is sort of my unofficial co-host over there, popping in and out every couple episodes. Thank you, Brian, for all your support <laughs> over there. We just recorded an episode on Muppets that'll be out very soon, and he was recently on for Revenge of the Nerds 3, which is one of my favorite episodes because we don't talk about the movie <laughs> at all. We go through the entire production, and when it's time to talk about the movie, we ran out of time, yeah. so that was a lot of fun. And, of course, you know, I guess the, the runaway hit, the smash sensation, uh, The Monsters That Made Us, with myself and my co-host, The Invisible Dan Colon, which you can catch the last Friday of every month. He and I are going through the history of the Universal Monster movies at the moment, and we have currently reached the one-year mark. And, um, you know, right before Halloween, we will release our Wolfman episode as the 80th anniversary of the Wolfman film. So it's going to be a big double-sized episode. I think that's everything. I've been on a couple other shows. I've been on Hard to Believe with John, John's show. We talk about Mary Shelley for Halloween. Listen to that as well if you can. And I hope to be back soon. You definitely will, Mike. You will be featured on one of our reunion episodes that's coming up. Um, high school reunion movies so looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to all the great stuff you have on the network you're a busy man you know a lot of people have a uh, slowed down their sh- shows on the cage club podcast network but you're an og cage clubber you you still got a lot churning <laughs> yeah i don't believe all the rumors ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to have a familiar voice on high school slumber party during this Halloween season. My horror consultant, as you know, Dan Colon is my horror consultant's horror consultant. The two of them, of course, host the Monsters That Made Us podcast. Definitely, definitely check that out. And we can't wait to have Mike back on again. But of course, this is High School Slumber Party, and I gotta assign you some weekend homework because we do have a Monday episode. It's going to be November 1st, first Monday of the month, and we've been good about this. We do High School Slumber Party AP with co-host Island Addington. That's where we look at modern teen films, teen films made in the last couple of years, including this year. Now, it's been a year since the last presidential election, so since November is traditionally election season, decided to cover a political-based movie. And you're going to be like, what, Brian? This is High School Slumber Party. Well, this is a documentary on some politically motivated teenagers, if you will, came out on Apple TV in 2020. It is called Boys State. I will skip the part where I brag for three minutes about how great and cool I am. Seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from? I come from a very modest family. I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I am a progressive person and I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. 
I've never seen so many white people ever. I feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship. A message of unity, as good as it sounds, is not winning anyone any elections. Primary polls are now open. Get yourselves ready for a turbulent election. Whatever happens here, best of luck. You win, I support you fully. My name is Steven Garza, and I'm running for governor. Let's get the applause because... As to the political views, voice of my speech, sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say in an attempt to win. I think he's a fantastic politician. But I don't think a fantastic politician is a compliment either. We're gonna do shock and awe. It's gonna be awesome. I want y'all to take out your phones and go on Instagram. Everyone, come on. Oh my God. Show the world what patriots are made of. That when things get tough, we pull ourselves by our bootstraps. One nation under God, lovers of the Constitution of the United States of America. That's politics, I think. That's politics. And that's your homework. Watch Boys State on Apple TV if you do not have Apple TV. That means you're not watching Ted Lasso, which is a shame. But also it means you're not stealing your friend's passwords. Yes, I'm advocating you steal from Apple. They've got enough money. Find a friend who has Apple TV or just get it. I'm sorry, Apple. Don't cancel this podcast on iTunes. It's a big, big reason why we get listens. So I'm sorry, Apple. Watch this movie as your homework. Watch Ted Lasso. And yeah. It's going to be fun. High School Slumber Party AP. And let me let you in on a little uh, spoiler for the movie. It might be scarier than anything you watched during Halloween season. I'll leave it at that. One more thing before I let you go and let you put on those costumes and go trick-or-treating this weekend. It's a little piece of advice from a film called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with a song. Let's, you know what? Let's plug the monster that made us once again, because Mike Manzi was our guest today, and we do love Dan Cologne as well. Let's play the Monster Mash. I just feel like listening to it. Later, dudes. began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the match he did the monster match the monster match it was a graveyard smash he did the match it caught on in a flash he did the match he did the monster match from my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast the ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the monster match. The monster match. You still here? It was a great
It's over. Go home. Go.